Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates that character is who we are when no one is watching. Then these men assembled and found Daniel. Daniel was in hiding. Daniel did not stop praying for the 30 days, nor did he pray in silence. He didn't say, well, I mean, I'll just keep it low, low key, I'll get my closet, no. He, he wasn't saying, well, I'll show these guys. He'd been doing this all along. He knew the scriptures, he knew Jeremiah, he knew everything. Man of the word, man of prayer, man of the spirit. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You've heard it said that if being a Christian was against the law, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, when it became illegal to pray in the prophet Daniel's day, it wasn't long before he was accused and promptly sentenced to the lion's den. Pastor Xavier opens the book of Daniel to chapter 6 for this beloved Old Testament story and the simple truths of divine deliverance. Let's listen. The Bible is full of so many incredible accounts of God working miraculous in many, many ways, as you know. The walls of Jericho fell down. Balaam's donkey rebuked him. Jonah was swallowed by a whale and spit up on the shores of Nineveh. The three Hebrew children were delivered from the fire furnace of Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, just on and on and on. But the account of Daniel being delivered from the lion's den has to be one of the most amazing historical accounts, not just a story, and it's recorded for us in the Bible. This is the last chapter of the first division of the book of Daniel, chapter 1 through 6, the historical. 7 to the end, 12, we'll get the prophetical. We've always said, that doesn't mean that the first six historical don't have prophecy in them. They do, but the focus is historical. And the same with the last half. They're just for a division. Now, the date is probably around 30, 539 B.C. Uh, Daniel is anywhere from 82 to 86 years old if he was 16 to 20 in 605. Do the math. It's easy to compute. So what we want to do is we want to look at the deliverance of Daniel from the lion's den, which unfolds for us in a threefold scene. Let me read for us here. Uh, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge nor fault, because he was faithless, faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king, and they said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and satraps, the counselors, the advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now the king established the decree and signed the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing 
uh, was signed. He went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, and was as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king, and they spoke concerning the king's decrees. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when his heart was, uh, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Now know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. And so the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace, and he spent the night fasting, um, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found in him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command. And they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Now, here we have the deliverance of Daniel, which is laid out for us in three scenes. First, the political instigation against Daniel, verse 1 through 9. Second, we have the spiritual devotion of Daniel in 10 through 17. And thirdly, we have the celestial visitation to protect Daniel, 18 to 24. One, two, three. Let's begin here with the political instigation against Daniel, one to nine. Notice in verse one through three, the promotion of Daniel is announced. That's how the chapter begins here. Darius, having received the kingdom of Babylon, quickly reorganized the kingdom, verse 1 and 2. He set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. As you can imagine, overtaking, conquering a nation, Babylon was huge, 
organization was expedient right away. So there's no more disorder, anarchy, and loss of things. The word satrap there means governors. This, uh, th these would govern over the various provinces. There were many there, 120. Now, at the end of chapter 5, we're told that Darius was 62 years old when he received the kingdom, okay? And he's also called a Mede, the son of a Hashuaris, the lineage of the Medes, made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. He is never called king of Persia. He's a Mede, king over the Chaldeans. And you find this in 531, in 6191, and 111. All that information. Now, notice he then set supervising governors over the 120 governors. In verse 2, three governors, which indicate overseers, were appointed here. Daniel was appointed the head over the three, he being the third. So he would be over the two. And his purpose was twofold. Notice that the 120 governors, in verse 2, be accountable to the three supervising governors that the satraps might give accountable and be accountable to them. Now Daniel, having been appointed head overseer or prime minister, quickly stood out from all the men appointed. Notice in verse 3, the quality that set Daniel apart is stated, that Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. The word distinguished means to excel. He outperformed the others in the care of the kingdom. He's just an excellent man. Stands out like a sore thumb. This included the 120 governors and the two overseers with him. He's just one of those guys that just you can't miss. The reason for this excellence is also stated. So we're given a lot of detail. Don't miss it. Because an excellent spirit was found in him. This spirit is the Holy Spirit of God. By the words of Nebuchadnezzar, by the queen mother of Belshazzar, by the witness of others. Now, we know that no one in the Old Testament had the Holy Spirit in them like we have. Only kings, priests, and those people who were called to special service and prophets. Okay? They recognized the Spirit of God in Daniel. Darius here, without doubt, was told of the night when Daniel interpreted the writing on the wall. I mean, these guys conquered it they, that very night. Without doubt, Darius was told of the words of the queen mother. Inasmuch as their excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Daniel 5.12. I'm sure he heard about this. Certainly as God gave favor to Daniel with the chief eunuch in chapter 1, remember at his training, not to defile himself with the king's meat. Certainly God is able to give favor before even this man, Darius. God called Cyrus by name 150 years before his birth, by name that he would be the one to take Babylon and the way that he would do it. We saw that already. There's nothing impossible for God. In fact, God had done the same thing for Jeremiah through Nebuchadnezzar, you remember? They, they labeled Jeremiah a traitor because he was telling just go to captivity, God's going to judge you. And God prepared the heart of Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar, his chief executioner. Listen carefully. Jeremiah 39, 11 through 12. It says, Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, 
charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, Take him and look after him and do him no harm, but do to him just as he says to you. And Nebuzaradan said, Jeremiah, you want to stay here? You can stay. You want to go with me? I'll bless you over there. No, I'm going to stay in the land. God said, Jeremiah, they're not going to touch you. You're going to be okay. Now, they beat him up. They threw him in jail. They threw him in a pit. They threatened him. They did all kinds. But he made it. God took care of him. Now, look at verse 4 through 9. The collusion against Daniel was in motion now. In verse 4, the plan of the conspirators was to disqualify Daniel in some way. They saw Daniel as a rival. He was appointed head over them, 120 governors and two superintendents. Jealousy sees a person as a rival. Often people use jealousy and envy synonymous. They're not. Jealousy sees a rival. Envy says, I want what you have. They attempted to find some opportunity of misconduct in his present position of prime minister. Listen to the words. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But the word charge there really means an occasion. They're snooping around, looking every way, high and low. They were seeking, night and day. And they found out that Daniel was a real man of character. To their surprise, they're trying to find fault, and they find out, man, this guy's too much. He was loyal. Listen to the words. But they could find no charge or fall because he was faithful man. Daniel is an amazing young man to an old man. He was impeccable. Nor was there any error or fall found in him. Man, if they would have looked after me, they wouldn't have to look too long. Daniel's an incredible man. Now notice in verse 5, the plan of the conspirators was revised to attack his faith in God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the bottom line. That's where people will come down at the end road. Your faith. Don't miss this. They confessed the impossibility of faulting Daniel in the political appointment. Listen. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel. They agreed they would have to find the occasion on his obedience to his God. Unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They pronounce good Evil, evil, good, Isaiah says. The plan of the conspirators was to appeal to the pride of Darius. Don't miss this. Verse 6. The evil men presented themselves before Darius. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king, and they said thus to him, King Darius, live forever, protocol. Just words without meaning. They knew they were coming to lie and deceived the king. They treacherously, falsely honored the king. King Darius, live forever. Listen. Unanimously, they wanted to honor the king by a decree. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors, the advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. All right, Darius says, let's hear it. Unanimously, they wanted to legislate deification of Darius for a period of time. They said, 
that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Unanimously, they would put to death all disobedience to the decree. Shall be cast in the den of lions. Ooh, that sounds good, Darius says. That's good. Notice in verse 8 and 9. The plan of the conspirators was to deceive and trap King Darius. They convinced him to sign the decree by appealing to his vanity of royal privilege. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing. Ooh, I like this. They complimented his ruling royal authority so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persian, which does not alter. Here's the clincher. This is where it's going to bite him. They completed their evil plan. Therefore, the king, King Darius, signed the written decree. The corruption and abuse of power by politicians and those in government positions that were in Daniel's day have always existed. We live in a fallen world, ladies and gentlemen. We look to how low many of our own politicians have stooped to immoral, unethical, and there's no apology, there's no embarrassment. In fact, nothing is done so often. We see the ineptness of Congress to be able to get answers from IRS agents who have lied, distorted, and robbed. Like Daniel, if you are a faithful Christian of character, the unbeliever will criticize and accuse you, but you have to make sure that their accusations are false. As Peter says, when you're accused of false, you've got to prove them wrong by the manner of life. Hmm. We live in a corrupt, fallen world, be it in politics, the average person, or even the church. But this is not our home. So we have to keep that in mind all the time. Hebrews 11, 13 through 14 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promise. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Beloved, I beg you, as a sojourner and pilgrim, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. God will use your example of life through the situations of life as you minister the gospel through your life and through words when God deals with their heart to save them. God saves. You're just to live the gospel. The political instigation against Daniel was to get rid of him. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The world wants to get rid of you and I. You get that clear? Next comes the spiritual devotion of Daniel in 10 through 17. In 10 and 11, the daily practice of Daniel was to pray to God. Notice. The relationship of Daniel to his God could not be affected by earthly laws or decrees. Don't miss this. He was not affected by the decree of Darius. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. He understood the words of the decree. He understood the consequence of the decree. And he was not intimidated to obey the decree of Darius. And in his upper room 
with the windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. He prays towards Jerusalem according to the provisions when they were taken captive under the prayer of Solomon, the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8, 44 through 53. It's also recorded in 2 Chronicles 6, 34 through 39. That when my people are in captivity, they turn to you and they pray for you, towards you, that you would forgive them as they repent. This was scriptural, what he was doing. He prayed on his knees, notice. Not, on, not the only posture, and we've talked about that. He's a man of prayer. I've given you the scriptures all through it. But kneeling on your knees is a good, submissive, humble position. You can pray on your back. You can pray standing up with your arms lifted, your hands down, your eyes closed. Your eyes, I, well, if you pray while you're in the freeway, don't close your eyes, okay? Sometimes we, we close our eyes. God won't hear me. Really? He doesn't hear his eyes. He hears his ears. Come on. He doesn't even have ears. So, but this is a very humble position, a very proper position. He's seeking guidance, direction. In fact, in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, verse 1 and 2, Daniel, in the first year of Darius, understood by the books of Jeremiah that captivity was almost up, so he sought the Lord in prayer, supplication, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. In the first year of Darius, this, he's here. He knows the seventh year is almost up. He's got the book of Jeremiah. God gave him the 70 weeks of prophecy due to that prayer in chapter 9. We'll get to it. Incredible. He prayed three times according to the scriptures. Listen to Psalm 55, 17. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Biblical, scriptural, seeking God as a Jew. These three times. Now we can get into a mechanical thing. We pray three times. Yes, I pray three times too. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, well. God help you if that's the only time you pray. We're talking about worshiping God. We're talking about singing unto God. We're talking about listening. Two ears, one mouth speaks for itself. He was doing what he had been doing for about 70 years. Listen, 10. As was his custom since early days, Daniel prayed during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Evil Merodach, Nargleser, Labishi Marduk, Nabonidus, Belshazzar, why would he not pray through the reign of Darius? Why would he not do so? Notice in 11, the relationship of Daniel was to obey God's word, not the earthly law or decree. The wicked, jealous politicians came upon their opportunity. Then these men assembled and found Daniel. Daniel was in hiding. Daniel did not stop praying for the 30 days. Nor did he pray in silence. He didn't say, well, I mean, I'll just keep it low, low key. I'll get my closet. No. He, he wasn't saying, well, I'll show these guys. He'd been doing this all along. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 13. Listen to this. For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years are completed to Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good towards, word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts I think towards you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and expected hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Daniel was being biblical, scriptural. He believed God was going to take them back. He knew the scriptures. He knew Jeremiah. He knew everything. Man of the word, man of prayer, man of the spirit. Pastor Xavier Reese. 
and a great example of the prophet Daniel for reaping the benefits of the scriptural command of 1 Thessalonians 5.8, to pray continuously. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, we've obviously had to break for today only partway through this message, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in next time for the conclusion, as always, you can pick up your own copy of this study as well. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Daniel Slept with the Lions. It's available on CD for just $4. Once again, that title to ask for is, Daniel Slept with the Lions, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com